Isaiah 9, we have this prophecy of a king that would be born. And this king is called by four different titles in the prophecy. He is called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and then Prince of Peace. And they build upon one another. And the Prince of Peace is at the end for reason. It is kind of the climax. It is the apex. It is the penultimate title in the series here, and you see that even as it continues in verse 7, of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. When the Son of God was sent by the Father into the world, he took to himself human flesh and he adorned himself with flesh. And then he was born of the womb of the Virgin Mary. And he came into this world, the Creator coming into his creation. And when that baby was born into the world and entered into this world, he came as the Prince of Peace. I love that on Christmas Eve we always sing Silent Night because I think it's perfect. It'll be much like when we end the service, we'll walk out and we'll go outside and it will be quiet outside and it will be still and then we will sing praise to God. It was a night just like that in a little out of nowhere place, Bethlehem, that the Son of God would be born into this world and He didn't come with fanfare. He didn't come with a crowd. He didn't come with a parade. He didn't come making some great noise. He could have come in so many ways, and yet the way that he came was he came in as a babe. He came in silently, quietly. And he came to bring peace, peacefully. All the Old Testament points to this child that would be born and usher in peace. There is Melchizedek, that king that has no beginning, that comes out from all cities, the king, the city of Salem, peace. You have that prophecy of Jacob's where he prophesies about Shiloh, peace, speaking about the same peace that we see typified in Melchizedek. You have David is promised a child of his that shall reign upon his throne forever. And this child shall reign and usher in peace. You have what we read this evening with Micah 5 that as the Messiah comes in his trail, he brings peace. He is peace, Micah prophesies. Peace is littered throughout the Old Testament and these Old Testament prophecies about the Messiah that would come. It, it, the Old Testament is replete with this idea of peace. And you know that. You know that intuitively. There are very few Hebrew words that you know. And yet, you, most of you know the word for peace. Shalom. Why? Because it is so evident and so replete across the pages of the Old Testament Scriptures. When the Messiah comes, he brings peace. So it's no surprise that when we turn to the New Testament and we open up those beginning chapters when the Messiah is born into the world, almost every single one of those pericopes 
has the idea of peace. So when the angels appear to those shepherds in Luke 2, and, and they are announcing the birth of this Messiah into the world, what do they sing and praise to God? Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace among men that He is well pleased. When Zechariah is prophesying over John the Baptist to be born, the one that would lead the way for the Messiah into the world, he prophesies about peace. He closes his entire prophecy with, He guides our feet into the way of peace. When Simeon, that old man who has been going to the temple day in and day out for years, praying and hoping and longing that he would get to see the Messiah. And then one day, there comes Joseph and Mary with this baby in their arms, this Prince of Peace. And what does Simeon say when he sees the Lord Jesus? What immediately comes out of his mouth is, Now, Lord, your servant may depart in peace. Messiah comes into the world and he is prophesied to bring peace and he is surrounded with the idea of peace when he comes into the world. And so it's no surprise that when Jesus begins his ministry that we see peace all over the place as he ministers as a grown man. It's such a central theme that when he is leaving his disciples there in John 14, he says to them, my Peace I leave with you. And the very first thing he says to him when he is resurrected from the grave in John 20, and he appears before them, as he says to them, he says, Peace be with you. So it's no surprise that this becomes the Christian greeting for Christians, at least it is for Paul in his writings. He will almost always write grace and peace to you. This king, this prince of heaven, born into this world, the Messiah, to bring peace. It marks him, it marks his kingdom. It is, it is one of the most precious gifts that he, that he gives to us. And the world knows it. It is crying out for peace. And some of you sitting here tonight are crying out for peace. What is peace? Well, we could say, I think we could define it as it's harmony or it's agreement between two parties. It's a good, right definition. But biblically, it even has a greater understanding than that. It speaks of wholeness. It speaks of completeness. It has the idea of tranquility, provision in every way. There's, there's a quiet. There's a rest. There's a serenity. And then it only comes into the world. It only truly is experienced as it is received with this king, with this Prince of Peace. Jesus at least gives peace in four realms to you and I as we receive him as the Prince of Peace. The first and foremost is that he comes to give peace as a gift. 
between you and I and our God. And oh, this is where you need peace the most. Whether you know it or not, your soul is crying out for peace with God. You need peace with God. The Son is sent into the world and takes to Himself human flesh, adorns Himself with human flesh, and shrouds His glory and lives and suffers and dies so that sinners can have peace with God. So you can have peace with God. Paul says in Romans 5.1, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. This is what the angels are proclaiming there in Luke 2. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom He is well pleased. Those that have come to faith in Christ. Those that are His. Son of a God born into this world so that He might live and suffer and die for His people so that we might have peace with God. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And upon Him was the chastisement that brought us peace. So let us remember this peace between us and God. If you are a child of God, and that's evidenced by your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior, then you remind yourself over and over that you have peace with God. And as Satan comes with his accusations and as doubts creep within, that you remind yourself that no, Christ came into the world, the Son of God came into the world, and He is the Prince of Peace. He is my Prince of Peace. And I have peace with God. And even more importantly, God has peace with me. His resurrection declares that peace has been established, that this victory has been won. The Spirit sent into the world by the Father and the Son is a true sign. It's a true seal to you. It seals to you that you have peace with God. And so we remind ourselves regularly, God's a Father to me. He's a father to me. I am reconciled to God forever. I have peace with God. There's no barrier. There is no rift. There is no disturbance. Therefore, there should be no disquiet in my soul. I am at peace with God, and even more importantly, He is at peace with me. So Satan can blow upon the waters of my life, but it is just going to be a ripple because underneath the stream is peace. I have peace. It's a gift. Second, he comes to gift to us peace between our fellow man. And this peace flows from the first peace. We have peace with God so we can have peace with our fellow man. And this is what Paul highlights there in Ephesians 2, where he says that Christ is our peace. Or as we read in Colossians here this evening, as John did right before I came up here, Christ is our peace. And Paul will work that out there in Ephesians 2 and say there is no longer a division. There is no longer a barrier between Jew and Gentile. There is now peace. There is unity. The same Spirit that unites us to our Father by whom we have peace is the same Spirit that unites us to one another. And so we have peace. We're unified. We're made one. 
The question is not whether you and I are unified. We are. That's reality. The question is just how well we exemplify it, how much we show it, how much we live it. It's ours. And so we remind ourselves, and we remember this peace between ourselves. And that means that nothing should be able to get in the way of it. Not envy, not greed, not hurt, not pain, not color of skin, not socioeconomic class, not politics, not even being sinned against. We're united. And so Paul says in Colossians 3, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ Rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. There's a peace. There's a peace that's been gifted to us that the world can only dream of and can unknowingly talk of, but it's ours. It's been gifted to us by the Prince of Peace. Third, He comes to gift us peace in the world. The world rages. There's conflict, there's destruction, there's disease, there's wars, there's hatred, there's hunger, there's persecution, there's pain, there's loss. But we have the Prince of Peace. John says, Jesus says in John 16 to the disciples, he says, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And this is the secret of Christian living. The world can absolutely circle around us. It can be in turmoil around us, and yet there can be peace. Because we know that we are in the most secure, we are in the safest, we are in the surest hands. The hands of our Prince of Peace. And He's gifted it to us. This is one of the ways that we can shine as lights in this world before a world that doesn't understand this. And so... You can see this throughout history, that as the world looks on, there are brothers and sisters of ours, saints, that have been maligned, that have been falsely accused, that have had character assassination attempted upon them, and they can just suffer silently. How? Because they know their Prince of Peace. You have throughout history, brothers and sisters in Christ that are on their sick beds or on their deathbeds, and they're not crying out in anguish, they're crying out in praise. How? Because they know their Prince of Peace. You have martyrs throughout the centuries, some fed the lions, some burned on a stake, some crucified upside down, some stoned to death, and instead of crying out in despair, they can cry out in praise. How? Because they know they're Prince of Peace. There can be a peace in the world that is 
a gift that is ours. Finally, He comes to gift us peace within. There's no greater burden. There's no greater assault than a burdened conscience. Can't get away from it. David captures this truth well in Psalm 38. He says this, There is no soundness in my flesh because of your indignation. There is no health in my bones because of my sin, for my iniquities have gone over my head like a heavy burden. They are too heavy for me. And then Psalm 32, he says, For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. That guilt, that that burden of our sin is the most relentless of foes. It will chase us to the ends of the earth. You can run away from an enemy. You can run away from family and friends. You can even run away from your country, but you can never run away from your conscience. But the Prince of Peace has come to me. All you who are weary and heavy laden, burdened, and I will give you rest. Prince of Peace. And in Christ, guilt is swallowed up. Our burden has been borne by that child that was born into this world as the Prince of Peace. It's no longer ours. So we remember that. It's a gift that's ours. All of this from a baby that came into the world because he was no ordinary baby. He was God in flesh. And he came to give peace to his people. I just want to close with reading this. John Oswald is an Old Testament commentator in Isaiah, and he was thinking about this passage and said it so beautifully about this baby coming and bringing peace. He said this, he said, The expected perfect king will be human and divine. But the language also makes another point. The point underlies the central paradox of Isaiah's conception of Yahweh's deliverance of his people. How will God deliver from arrogance, war, oppression, Coercion by being more arrogant, more warlike, more oppressive, and more coercive. Surely the book of Isaiah indicates frequently that God was powerful enough to destroy His enemies in an instant. Yet again and again, when the prophet comes to the heart of the means of deliverance, a childlike face peers out at us. chooses to work through this child born into the world. And that's how he's going to bring peace. I pray that you know that peace this evening. And if you know that peace, you have much reason to rejoice. I have reason to rejoice today and for all of eternity as we give glory to this babe that was born for us, that we might have peace. Let's pray.
Father, we thank you that you sent your Son into the world to secure peace for us with you and from us to you. We're thankful that that peace can flow into our lives with one another, that it can give us peace in the midst of a world in turmoil, and that it can give us peace within. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are willing to come to live and suffer and die for sinners such as us. And, O oh Spirit, that you are willing to apply that salvation. And that you shall indwell us for all of eternity to the praise of the Father and the Son and you forever and ever. We have much to be thankful for, much to rejoice in during this Christmas season. We pray all of this in the strong name of Christ who was born for sinners. Amen.